Coming to you live from Browns headquarters in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Brought to you by Jack, the official entertainment partner of the Cleveland Browns. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Daily brought to you by Jack Nathan Zagura, joined by the great Bo Bishop. We are one day out from the 2020 NFL draft, and we have a star studded show for you today. You want to pray to stars? We told Gibbe, Gibbe, we need to pray to stars. Gibbe said, Hold my beer. We're going to have Daniel Jeremiah live on the show today at 1 30. We are going to have some sound bites from Tim Couch's interview on the Road to the Draft show on 850 ESPN Cleveland. That is coming your way as well. So we are loaded up here. And oh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the great Dane Brugler joining us at 2.30. So two of the best draft analysts in the business, a former number one overall pick, and of course the dulcet tones of the great Bo Bishop. Bo, Wait, what do you buddy? want? You want a show? You want a you show, want a show? on, on, we'll on a first show. Friday, a draft eve Friday edition? First Friday edition? You got one, kids. What do you want? You want everything yes, you need welcome. to know about this draft? Welcome. We're, listen, you want a show. The Bucks wanted Gronk. That happened. You're going to get what you want. Everything's coming together. The only thing that still hasn't happened that should have happened is that Simone fully paid for our dinner when Gronk retired the first time. That we're still <laughs> waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I think anytime you can take gift cards and pass it off as your own, uh, coming out of your own pocket, and then charge the people who you are supposed <laughs> to buy the dinner it. for, that's right. They get charged in full. I think right. that's a good way of going about your business and settling up old debts. That is not the way the Lannisters do it, sir. I can assure they, no. you of that. Um, no, they do not. Let, so when you hear about Gronk, let's just get right into this. It'll be yeah. a hot topic. So Ohio Business Street preferred copy provider of the Cleveland Browns, all the X's and O's for your office. Call 216-485-2000 visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. When you hear Gronk back, your first reaction is what? So I actually had a, a long discussion about this last night with Miss Kay and others, and what occurred to me is that Gronk didn't quit football Gronk quit that's right Bill Belichick's brand of football and yeah. all that comes with it and I think Tom Brady quit this year Bill Belichick's brand of football and as soon as Gronk was able to play football again not under that ilk and was able to have a reasonable justification as to why he wanted to do it and to come back with Tom Brady that he immediately came back I know that you're not hard of seeing so I won't ask if you've seen it but the video of him uh, blowing on the, the, the <laughs> shell and Gronk running out yeah. of the woods today is just spectacular. All the stuff that they've been posting is great. It's awesome. I love it. The, it just further adds to the fact that the Bucks are going to go to the playoffs and I'll eat Taco Bell courtesy of Andrew Gribble. But it was just – it didn't surprise me after I saw him at the WWE and I was like, you know what? I, I, I think he's, he's got a lot of work to do if this is truly going to be yeah. his future. Um, yeah. And – 
I mean, it's just it's amazing how fast it went, though, right? From like Andy Cohn wow. interviewing him from Bravo. And all of a sudden, it's, yeah, I think so. And then by the end of the day, a trade has been finalized between the Patriots and the Bucks. I mean, it was wild. You wonder if this was almost a package deal. If this was kind of in the works all along. If, it had to if have it been. been. It had If to it have had been. been known, yeah, if it had been known for a long time uh, that this is the way that it was going to go. There, there's a lot of angles to this. There's the Buccaneers angle. So let's tackle that angle. They're a, they are contender. Brady is 43, but I don't know that he's ever played with weapons like this in his career. I don't think he has. Um, I don't know what they do with O.J. Howard, but at the same time, if they keep him, their 12 personnel is terrifying if they keep him. And you do remember that that when they had Aaron Hernandez and Gronk in New England, they were devastating defensively, and they sure as heck didn't have Evans and Godwin on the outside. They did yeah. not have that talent on the outside. So now – if you keep him and you play them both, the mismatches are just everywhere all over the field. So that's the first thing about that. The other thing about it is I wonder if if Brady is basically going to do what Manning did in Denver. In other words, Tom Brady's the offensive coordinator. Now I know Arians is the one, it's you know, he's an, the offensive mind, play caller, all of that, and maybe he still will. But I do wonder if Brady will essentially install the offense because now two of the most important people that will be playing this offense have a familiarity and had great success in a previous offense. Why make them learn new language? I think that's possible. I think that the offense does need to be tailored to more of Tom Brady's skill set because it's not the same skill set that Jameis Winston had in terms of being able to throw the ball all over the field and down the field with those weapons. So maybe – and that'll be interesting. I wonder if they will do that. I imagine you'd want Tom to be comfortable. Now you're going to yeah. have Gronk in there. You mentioned you've got those two uh, – I mean, Godwin and Evans out wide. It's just – it's scary. Not to mention O.J. Howard, Brait. You wonder if O.J. Howard's a guy that now – would get moved or if break gets moved because I, there's no reason for them to have three tight ends of that caliber. No. Um, and then what's, what's interesting to me is a lot of people think 14, they take a tackle. How about in that second round, if they end up with JK Dobbins and all of a sudden you have an offense that has Dobbins, Evans, Godwin, Gronk, OJ Howard, and Tom Brady. Goodness gracious. Yeah. The bucks are going to be there. Yeah, they're in position to put uh, to to get a tackle at fourteen or go up to get one if they want to protect him. Uh, that's a position of they're really good defensively, by the way, as well. They're really athletic defensively. Um, so now you could get a tackle at fourteen, or you could move up maybe with us or with Jacksonville to go get the exact tackle you want. You could do that. They can sit where they're at in the second round and pick between J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, uh, out of Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. Those guys are studs, man, and, yeah. and you put there all of them. I you know would would be able to plug and play and be dynamic out of the gates. So now you put that in there, and you you do say to yourself, boy, they don't really have any holes now. No, they do not, and they look very very good in that respect. I think it is. It's going to be fun to watch. That is, I was talking to a a good friend of mine who lives in the Tampa area and. It's crazy. Gibby will tell you. I feel like we've done something with the Buccaneers preseason, regular, whatever it is we've had. We've been in Tampa, I feel like, each of the last five seasons. And this year yeah. we don't know Tampa for us. I mean, this is the year to do it. Could imagine this is joint the year practices. Tampa. Can you imagine if we had joint yeah. practices with this version of the Bucks? Yeah. Oh, right. Would have been unbelievable. So the next thing I thought of was Stevie Janowski and Eastbound and Down. 
<laughs> Tampa. That's Tampa. the next thing I thought of because there's been – I've spent a lot of time in Tampa. I think you've spent some time there as well. Um, one of my time when I was in Florida. There are a billion many Gronks running around Tampa. A billion oh of them. Oh, my goodness. There's so many bros in Tampa. Oh, like, it's bro paradise. It's his – he will be the king of that city. He's oh going to be God. the king. If it's him so much better than Brady, like it's his natural habitat for Gronkowski. It's where he's back to the motherland. And I know he's from Arizona, but I mean, that's the motherland for him is Tampa. Like he will crush, absolutely crush Tampa. Let me run this by you from the Belichick perspective. Is it possible? Would you have any concern? I mean, and again, you've won so much, who even cares? But without Brady... Is his style going to work? Because the reason I think a big reason it's been allowed to work is you find the perfect you find the perfect quarterback. You find a guy in the sixth round who nobody trusts and nobody that everybody doubts, and you say, Do exactly what I say and we'll win, and then you win. And so then that quarterback takes your coaching, which is hard, and your system, which is hard, which is thankless, which is all those things. It results in wins, but now without the greatness of Brady. Does it work? This is the best tight end that I've ever seen play in football. Gronkowski, the ultimate weapon. To me, he's every bit the weapon that Randy Moss was on the outside. Like, it's, he's sure. un- unguardable. And he chose to retire rather than continue to play there. Will there be more of this? And it makes you wonder if this is one of the reasons that Josh McDaniels pulled out of the indie job and, and really didn't yeah. get consideration for any of these head coaching jobs. Yes, he got interviews, but it didn't seem like some some of the other players in the coaching searches were interested truly in McDaniels as a candidate. And, and maybe he was making demands that were so great because he knew that his time was coming in New England. And I wonder if for Bill Belichick, if – if that's what it's going to be, if Bill Belichick is on his way, you know, out. And, and perhaps it's amazing to say that I don't, because I don't, the game hasn't passed him by. Still, I think the best no. strategist in the NFL, but perhaps his methods required a leader at the top who was willing to deal with it. And if Tom Brady, because think about the impact it had on Randy Moss, the first meeting when Tom Brady gets chewed out, Randy Moss is like, wait a second, that guy's yelling about, he's saying that he could get a better quarterback at Foxborough High. Than, than th- and he's talking trash to Tom Brady in front of all of us and undressing him like that. So that's when yeah. I knew it was different. So, A, you need to have a star that's like that that can deal with it. I still think there are a lot of guys that carry on that Patriot way that love it. Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty, yep. who's there with them. They're going to be leaders on that team that are going to be full believers in what's going on there. But at the same time, yeah, you wonder if, if he sees the writing is on the wall and that, you know, perhaps – there is a there are a generation of guys that have had success. Now the other thing though too is would would Rob Gronkowski been as comfortable doing that had he not already made a ton of money and already won Super Bowls? See, I think there no are people question. that would that would take it no to question. get that Super Bowl, but then maybe it, it move on. But as long as he's still producing, you know, you come play for the Patriots. Now I don't think you can say that anymore. And, and listen, if he goes and wins the Super Bowl this year, bow down, go ahead and just. He's already crowned, double crown him. Give him a second crown as the ultimate yeah. king in the coaching ranks of the National Football League. But I do think that there are the way that things are, and you just look at the trends in the CBA in terms of how much interaction they can have, how much coaching they can have, how much on the field. It's being a, a, a hard line type of a guy, 
they're they're trying to legislate away from that. I mean, it is clearly yeah. not the desire of players to be in that kind of environment. Now they put up with it because it wins, and the guys who come out of there have, that had the right mindset all loved it. But guys, yes. Brock just wants to have a good time, and guys just want sure. to have a good time. There, that's not the place for them. No, and it's interesting because he and Saban are linked, and they're great friends. And Belichick to Saban is a great documentary. I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, but you wonder if the same thing is happening with Saban as these younger, fun-loving, more uh, father-figure-buddy guy coaches versus the hard line, which is what Saban is. And that's, you know, the guy Dabo at Clemson, Ryan Day at Ohio State. You know, those guys are having a lot of momentum in recruiting because they're going at it in a different way, and you do wonder. Uh, these we are, We've witnessed – the greatest National Football League coach of all time and the greatest college football coach of all time in the same period. Yeah. Saban and Belichick. That's the answer, guys. I mean, that's it. those are the two guys. And they're both on the Cleveland Browns staff in, in 1994. I didn't want to bring that up, but yes. Yes. yes Amongst others who have gone on to have a tremendous Amongst amount of success Kirk around Barrett's the National Football League. Kirk pretty good, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good staff. Pretty good staff back then. Uh, lots to get to, including a lot of great draft stuff as he hit off the top with Daniel Jeremiah joining us uh, at 1.30. Dane Brugler at 2.30. Hear from Tim Couch at 2 o'clock. So lots to get to on the program. Off and running, CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Before the draft gets started tomorrow night, the Browns inviting fans to congregate and enjoy the first ever Browns virtual draft party presented by Bud Light Seltzer, the interactive live show hosted by the Z. Set for six will be broadcast for the fans of the Browns YouTube channel, Facebook page, Twitter. Viewers will get to hear the latest draft news from our guy, Dane Brugler, who will join us at 2.30. Team owner J.W. Johnson, head coach Kevin Stefanski. Watch interviews with a number of celebrity guests, including Browns great Joe Thomas, Brad Paisley as well. Register today for the first ever Browns virtual draft party presented by Bud Light Seltzer at clevelandbrowns.com. That's going to be pretty cool, Z. You guys got all the kinks ironed out, ready to go tomorrow? We are ready to roll. It is going to be a bonanza. That's right. A lot, oh. a, a bonanza of coverage, and it's really going to be going uh, all through the weekend. You and I get to get together on Saturday, which will be a real treat. You know, it'll be like our own college football spectacular, even though it's it will be the NFL draft. Saturday at <laughs> yeah, noon, it will be. Bishop and Zagara, let's go. That's right. You and uh, you and the uh, the widow Garrett both with a bonanza reference. Oh, yeah. It's rare that you. It's because I, I believe what it is a, a bonanza, Mister. It's Swearing, a bonanza. That's right. Is the technical term. Um, let's go around the league. Brought to you by Jack. The Saints have told their players they are scrapping the entire offseason program. Quote: Come into camp in the best shape of your life, or the best shape as you could get on a peloton. So they're like scrapping everything, classroom as well, or just uh, just scrapping. No top of program this screen, virtual or otherwise. No virtual workouts, no online meetings, no workouts at the facility, even if it's allowed. Show up in July for training camp in the best shape of your life. Good. And then he, he dropped go. a great Game of Thrones. It was at the WebEx team meeting, kind of felt like, and he had the Game of Thrones. They have all the people, all the faces uh, from the, the House of the Undying, which was pretty cool. Um, I got to say, that's stunning to me. Yeah. That's absolutely. This is a team. Drew Brees is coming back. They've got Super Bowl aspirations. You're going to want your guys, especially your your new players that you get in this draft and free agents that have come in. You're going to want these guys to be 
as up to date as possible. I don't understand why you wouldn't. So maybe he's saying, look, I'm putting this all on you. You guys are all pros, and I'm going to let the, the players police this, the DeMario Davises and the, the Drew Breeses and the Cam Jordans police and make sure people are in their playbooks. I mean, you don't want to have to try to teach everything once you get there in training camp. I would think that, that they're one of – if anyone was going to do this, they're one of them that could because of the leadership you just mentioned. It's so substantial, both sides of the ball. Um, that if you put it on Drew, you put it on Demario, you put it on – you know, th- those guys can – you know, they'll follow those guys. How many new faces are they going to have in their, you know, 22? Probably not a lot. I mean, they'll have some, but not, not too much. It's a bold move, but maybe the idea is, look, look, I'm not going to waste time sh- showing you guys doing stuff where you're half paying attention on a Zoom meeting. I'll give me your full attention in July. We'll do it straight through, and we're going to get it in. And who knows? I mean, he's had a great deal of success, although they've come up short uh, the last couple of years and, and have been uh, really disappointing in the postseason. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. It is a bold strategy. I'm trying to think of who the big guys that they brought in that were not in their program before. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins coming back but to the Saints. Been he'd, he'd, been, he'd been there before. Emmanuel Sanders, DJ Swearinger, Noah Spence. Um, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I you know right off the top, Jenkins and, and Sanders will be playing for sure. But it's pretty unbelievable to me that they're going to do that. So I guess that's... They feel that they can do it, and you know what? Good for them. I'll take right now that the Cleveland Browns are going to do everything they can to be as prepared as possible, and I think that's what you have to do when you're the Cleveland Browns, and I think that's what a lot of teams around the NFL are going to do. Um, I find this to be fascinating, to be perfectly honest. you got to do what works for you. Um, and so, you know, Sean, Sean going this way, and, and it's – look, everyone's going to attack this thing differently, right? Uh, it just depends on – uh, and a lot of it depends on where you are in the country. I mean, like Georgia's opening up Friday, so there's, there's, it's going to depend a lot on on where you are. Yeah, oh, that's right. Uh, so that's just going to depend on where you are in the country as well. Where do you sit on, on all of the conversation that's out there in terms of tr- teams willing to trade? Uh, and the one, the one thing that is probably the biggest difference for me between college, covering college football intimately and now doing pro football the last couple of years intimately, is pro football, the liar's poker is insane. And the media is used to manage the message in pro football from either team to team, uh, from the league to teams, from players and agents to teams. The, me- the NFL media is so powerful. They are the voice of players, teams, the league it's way more than any other sport that I know. I don't even – that I've been around, it's not even close. So I have a hard time believing all this. I think all of it, a lot of it is just smoke to create and get information out there. Of course. And, and listen, all of a sudden, all this stuff about Jerry Judy's knees coming out and because right. there are a couple teams that obviously want Jerry Judy to fall in the right. draft, even though he was clear, no limitations, checked out at the combine, his knee is just fine. Just today this happened, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, there is – so much, and especially – and it always happens around the draft, right? I mean, that's yeah. where you get – and you get an idea, oh, well, somebody really wants him. Somebody wants, you know, somebody wants to get their hands on Jerry Judy, and they don't feel like they're going to be able to without having to give up a, a King's Ransom. So let's float let's, – let's start talking about how bad his knee is, and we get Adam Schefter to tweet it, and then all of a sudden it becomes a story. 
The NFL yeah. is stunning in its – and, you know, when we talk with Daniel Jeremiah, I'm sure we'll ask him about that because his job is based a lot on information and how he yeah. gets that information. And, you know, a, a lot of people around the league think that, you know, personnel guys tend to be a little close to the best coaches, not as much. And, and you wonder the impact it'll have when you don't have a bunch of coaches getting together at pro days yeah. and whatnot. So I think that it's – a fascinating time of year it always is it never changes but you're exactly right just the uh, the the brazen nature of misinformation that is just supplied on the reg in the national football league is really astonishing and it's not you don't see it in forget college you don't see that in the others you just don't see it as much no. as you do in this no. no and not by guys who are monster media presence um, that are that are used as as mouthpieces for the for organization. I mean, Schefter is incredible. The stuff that that goes in that 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 is reported out, and it's all coming straight from the source. Of I course. mean, they're telling it to him. He's reporting it. Uh, but it, but it's a wild. Uh, it's it's an absolutely bonkers thing. That 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 thing about the Giants doing their homework on Justin Herbert. What are we doing? Okay, let me tell you. I'll give you a perfect story. I, I won't say who the prospect was, but I. There is there is a prospect that a story was going to come out and from as big of a name in the media as possible that prospect X did a work, a video workout for a team and was being accused of having a relative actually run the 40 for him to make it seem faster, which when you take a step back and you think this guy's somebody who could be going to the NFL, right. whereas his cousin is not or his brother, relative, whatever this relative was, is not, and also doesn't look, you know, you have to have a certain look, et cetera. But it was, it was to the point where somebody was trying to make this person fall within a completely yeah. absurd story, and it almost, it was very close to being run with. Good Lord. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you're, you're dealing with. Yeah, it's crazy um, what has happened this week. And some of this, it's just not believable. Uh, it's just not believable in any way, a lot of the stuff uh, that's come out this week. Did you see Percy Harvin running up a uh, a, a car, a garage? <laughs> of course ramp? I did. I'll tell Are you, you Percy, hard to sing? Percy Harvin was one of my favorite players in the NFL, and I have both Percy Harvin's Minnesota and Seattle jerseys. I did not end up getting his Buffalo jersey, but we had joint practice with the Bills when he was on uh, Buffalo. And his body just broke down then. I mean, we're going back now. This That's 2015. Yeah. So 2020, I, I don't think Percy Harvin's going to be okay. But when he was healthy and he was, he was so dynamic, uh, he was a, a joy to watch play the game of football. But I think, unfortunately, that was, that was one of the most absurd – return hype videos I've ever seen in my life. It was amazing. Uh, him just running up a car garage ramp, uh, sprinting. It was crazy. Um, he's only 31, which I didn't have that. He was only 31. He was in the league at 21. He was he's only 31. Yeah. You mentioned the injuries. Um, but the, the other thing was, it's, I, it's funny. I remember him the way you remember him. And then I looked at his like uh, football reference page and yeah. the statistical accumulation is not there the way that no. I thought it would be. No. I mean, I thought he only made one Pro Bowl. He did it his first year as a rookie. Doesn't make it again. Um, he was dynamic when on the field, but was consistently hurt, hurt. all the he time. Had migraines and all these other things. 
And and he's a he is one of those incredible what if guys because when you talk to guys who play in the league and they tell you some of the hardest people to tackle, Harvin comes up because of how strong he was at 185 pounds. Like people would they would bounce off of him. He was so strong and had such a strong lower body and just a dynamic college player, an incredible college player. He was and he's a guy that you would also say maybe was a little bit too soon. Yeah, there's a little Reggie Bush to that. Yeah, because his skill set now would be so valued. Now, again, could he oh. stay healthy? That That's the question, and I was saying that's what I meant. It's funny you say he's only 31 because he seemed and felt so old to me when we were there in 15. He wasn't even – I don't even think he was able to practice fully while we were there. I don't even know if he was practicing at all, as a matter of fact. But it was just a, a stunning kind of – he was a guy I remember you'd watch him on a Thursday night game, and, and this was one because I had him in fantasy at the time, and he would go for you know 60 yards rushing on a couple of, of carries and a touchdown. He'd have mm-hmm. 130 yards receiving and a touchdown. He might have a kick return for a touchdown. You're like, this guy is unbelievable, and then he's not playing two weeks later. and, and Or yeah. impl- and then he gets hurt right. in that game, and he's out for, for weeks. An unbelievable talent. And maybe at 31, somebody will – why not invite him to a camp? I mean, what can, what can it hurt? Tampa. Let's go. Bring him in. Put him in Tampa. Put him in the slot. Yep. Let's see if it happens. Uh, (laughs) Wild, wild. I mean, think what's happened already this week in the in the league, and the next twenty four hours are going to give you all of that and more. You you have a feeling like Uh, one of the guys who certainly has the pulse of it is the NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. He will join us coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. It is with great pleasure that we bring on one of the experts that we all pay attention to when it comes to draft season. He is Daniel Jeremiah. He's a great friend of the program on the NFL Network. In fact, he will reveal his final mock draft tonight at 9 on the NFL Network. Before that, though, he is joining us here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Uh, Daniel, what... As, as now we sit on the eve of this thing, and this has just been a bonkers week already, Gronk coming out of retirement, all of these things that are happening, rumors everywhere. How are you managing the amount of news that's coming at you with the anticipation of the draft tomorrow? Well, I, I, I think I tweeted this out the other day, but like I just keep coming back to that movie, The Princess Bride, where it was the battle of wits. And, and they're just saying, uh, you know, clearly I can't choose the glass in front of me. And they just argue back and forth about what's real and not real. And I found myself saying it's inconceivable at least about 10 times over the last week. So I don't know what to believe. Is that, is it just a follow-up to that too? Is, is that harder this year than before in that the league hasn't been together since the combine? I mean, typically there'd be pro days and stuff where there'd be a little bit yeah. of mingling. Is it, is it harder to decide what's true and what's not now, or is this pretty typical? Well, here's the, uh, here's the great secret that a lot of people have figured out this year is that coaches love to talk. And so when you go to pro days, uh, coaching, it's a tight fraternity. These guys are very close. And what happens is you get two things. You get all the offensive line coaches get together. There becomes a group think on who the top tackles are and what order. Um, So you end up getting a good sense of kind of how these guys are going to come off the board because that ends up getting out. And you also have uh, them knowing what their teams are going to do. And they don't guard the information quite as well as the personnel guys do. So uh, unfortunately – um, the, uh, the great asset that people like me during this time of year is, is, is the coaching staff. So they don't know anything this year. 
it is an interesting draft lead up, obviously, with everything going on in the world. And that's the information part of it is one of it, which makes I think we're going to have some must-see viewing starting tomorrow night. And you'll be a part of the broadcast on ESPN, NFL Network, and ABC starting tomorrow. Daniel, I want to ask you, you mentioned offensive line coaches. That kind of ties into what we're doing here, what a lot of people think the Browns looking at the offensive tackle group. And I just want to start with this broad question. How big of a gap in your mind is there between the quote-unquote perceived top four of Wirfs, Wills, Becton, and Thomas, and then that next group? Because I noticed in your conference call earlier this week you said you thought Austin Jackson would go earlier than expected. But between that four and then maybe the Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland, Josh Jones group. Yeah, I think the difference is uh, those first four guys I think are ready to play right now. Um, I think you trot them out there. They're going to be week one starters. And, you know, Austin Jackson, depending on where he goes, and Ezra Cleveland, they could end up being starters week one. But I think you're going to see a little bit tougher transition with those guys. They're both ultra athletic. They both just need more play strength. It's not, it's not a weight room number. I know people will look at Austin Jackson and, and tell me how many times he put up 225, but it's just a functional play strength. So he's a 20-year-old kid. I think he's going to need a little bit of time. But you've got both those guys are left tackles. So there's a premium. Even if you had to wait a little bit for them to be ready to play at a high level, you, you got a chance to have a, a pure left tackle for the next decade plus. That's why a guy like Austin Jackson, who you know might grade out as the 25th or you know tw- 25th to 30th player in this draft, I think there's a chance he could end up going in the top 15 um, because of, of what you get long term with him. So let me ask you to put your GM hat on. If you're the Browns, would you be? Which scenario would you like better? Staying at 10 picking one of those quote-unquote top four tackles or maybe moving back, acquiring some assets and getting a Jackson or Cleveland and knowing you could pair them with, say, a Jason Peters on a one-year deal in free agency? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting question. Uh, To me, I I just – I want the talent, you know. And at that position, when I'm trying to protect Baker Mayfield to to see what we have with him going forward, uh, I want the best option at tackle that I can possibly get. And that, to me, would involve sticking and picking if one of those guys were there now I have a uh, you know I have a little bit of a gap between my third tackle and then and then my fourth who's Andrew Thomas some teams like Andrew Thomas is the top tackle in the draft so depending on how they view that gap there I think will will guide their decision on what they do with that pick Daniel Jeremiah is our guest of course with the NFL Network he will see his final mock draft tonight at nine on the NFL Network uh, let's talk about the the big three then in yours it, it, with the three at the top um, if the Browns, you have to feel like a couple of these guys are going to be gone. Um, do you feel that the third one in that group, whoever that is, and whatever order that would be, and what's crazy about these guys mm-hmm. is the incredible variation of where people have them ranked. Uh, is that a guy at number 10 where if you're Andrew Barry, no matter who's there, we go get that guy? Or if there's a situation where a Simmons or a Kuda strangely falls, which anything can happen, I suppose, uh, is yeah. that something yeah. where you have to think about it? Well, I think Simmons would be the one that I would I would I would have a <laughs> tough time passing on him. Same. Yeah, he's just so gifted. And, and look in the division, you know, when you look at, at Baltimore, what you've got to deal with, um, he's he's made to play against Lamar Jackson. So that one for me, I might I might you know go away from uh, the need there and just go ahead and take the best player. And I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I want to throw a wrinkle at you, too, because this receiver draft class we've heard so much about, 
Is this something, you know, are, are they going to be go later than they would be on per se a big board? What's kind of the sweet spot? And I don't know if the Browns would take one at 10. I think that would be yeah. obviously a, a big shock, but at maybe at 41, they could be looking there or certainly at 74 in the third round. Who are some of the, the receivers you like maybe in that second, third round area? And is that, in your opinion, a sweet spot for this receiver class? Yeah, it's really been a sweet spot for the last handful of years. You know, when you look at the guys that have been picked, the, you know, last year is a great example with the Debo Samuels, the DK Metcalfs, the Terry McLaurins, you know, all those guys having a big-time impact as day-two picks. Uh, guys this year that I like in that range, talk about Michael Pittman from USC, um, who's fantastic uh, after the catch. You can also go up and get it and play above the rim. You want a pure speed player, you get a guy like K.J. Hamler or uh, – uh, or Jalen Rager from TCU, those guys to me are real, truly second-round type players. You could see one of them sneak into one. Uh, but then you get into the third round, uh, I think you're going to see Van Jefferson from Florida be a, be somebody that people target there early three, just because he's such a phenomenal route runner. You know, his dad being Sean Jefferson, longtime NFL player, NFL receiver coach, he's just polished and he's ready to go right now. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to work out at the combine due to an injury. Um, but he'll be ready to go for training camp. And he's, he's somebody that, to me, is Cooper Cup. You'll see him come in and catch a bunch of balls next year. Daniel Jeremiah, our guest, NFL Network draft expert, of course, one of the best in the business on this. There seems to be the, the idea of number 10 being another fulcrum for trades. Uh, at the early part, two, three, four, if somebody's going to get a quarterback, you can do that then. Where Andrew Barry sits at number 10, and, and we're viewing this from orange and brown colored, colored glasses, obviously, Daniel, but uh, the idea that you could get uh, somebody who desperately wants a tackle at 10, and you could get the second or maybe first receiver if a team wants to come up and get that. Mm -hmm. From our vantage point, it appears that the Browns are in pretty good shape and able to maximize the value at 10. Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, I think really the, the interesting thing will be what happens with Jacksonville, because really teams look at Cleveland and the Jets as the two tackle teams. So if you're Jacksonville and Jacksonville seems willing to move in either direction, either to move up or to move back, you know, that could be the trade spot that could limit a little bit of the value of the Cleveland pick. So if, if somebody wants to come up and get a tackle, um, that could be the spot. If somebody wants to come up and get a receiver, that could also be the spot. So, um, you know, I, I think if somebody came up for the tackle, you wouldn't see as much value with the Browns pick. If somebody came up for the receiver, now you could get a little teams a little bit jumpy. If you're at Denver at 15, you might miss that run uh, on those top three guys. So uh, that might be an opportunity for the Browns to slide back if that were to happen. Talking with Daniel Jeremiah, not only can you get his latest mock tonight at 9 o'clock on NFL Network, starting at 8 tomorrow, you'll see him on the ESPN NFL Network ABC joint coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft. All right, safety, I think that's another position that the Browns are going to be looking at. They made some nice moves in free agency with Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph, but uh, that second round, even into the third, seems like there are some good safety options there. I'll throw a couple names at you. Grant Delpit, Jeremy Chin would be two that immediately jump to mind. And can you tell us what we're missing? Because Bo and I both love Grant Delpit. I know his 2018 yeah. tape was great. Yeah. And we're just wondering why he's not going much earlier and that's even maybe possible he could be there at 41. Yeah, I mean, we really with Delpit, you just look at two different years. You know, in 2018, he was phenomenal. And then this, la or this last year, he had to battle some injuries. Yeah. He had to battle some injuries, and uh, with because of that, you just saw him miss a bunch of tackles. So that's that's the reason why you saw him drop off. 
um, this uh, this year. So when you have all those missed tackles, you know that that's what concerned teams. Now he came back healthy towards the end of the season and was able to uh, you know to play a little bit better there in the playoff games, and that kind of uh, helped assure some teams that you could get that 2018 version. But uh, that was the reason why you saw him uh, him start to dip a little bit. Sorry, I've got. I've got a crew over here as we're setting up a satellite truck and cameras and everything getting set up for the draft. So I feel like I'm, uh, I'm Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage right now. We're getting everybody situated. <laughs> You're directing traffic. It's good. And, and by the way, in Peyton, Omaha. Yeah. Peyton Manning was the, yeah. was the best yeah. in the league. It's at Omaha, Omaha. Here we go. Uh, you talk a little <laughs> bit about, about Delpit there. Jeremy Chin. I've seen some people say that his game reminds them, even though from a smaller school of a Harrison Smith, you know, our staff clearly would be very familiar with the Harrison Smith type player and certainly like him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Chin? And then maybe even get into, if you have the time to like the Ashton Davis, Terrell Burgess, Winfield, that kind of group at safety as well. Yeah. I mean, I think Winfield could, he could end up going early second round. Um, and that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Ashton Davis, if he had been healthy, I think would be a two. I think you're more likely to see him be a three. Uh, Terrell Burgess, a lot of teams view him as a nickel. So I think you'll see him probably come off the board in the third round as a nickel. And then Brandon Jones would be a name. I think it's probably another third-round safety um, out of Texas who's, uh, you know, who's got good ball skills. He's, he can force. He's a good overall player. Uh, played the, you know, made some plays in that LSU game, one of the few Texas guys that did in that game. But uh, uh, he's, he's an interesting option around three as well. Daniel, if you're Andrew Barry, what's your dream draft? Everything goes the way you want. What's it look like? Ooh, great call. Um, for me, um, and I'll probably be different than some folks on this, I, I would not pass on Mekhi Becton. I know he had a positive test and everybody freaked out. I'm not as concerned about that. Um, I, I think to me, that's, that's your, your left tackle for the next decade plus. So that's where my dream would start uh, with a guy like that. And then, um, you know, from there where you go on, I, you know, I'm just trying to find blue chip difference makers. If I'm him on the defensive side of the ball, I wouldn't be married to position. Now you can say, Oh, you need a, need a linebacker, need this, need that. Um, I just think just stacking some blue chip players on the defensive side of the ball, real difference makers. And I think that is certainly going to be the goal for the Browns. Andrew Barry saying he's approaching this like it's an expansion draft and we just have to get the best players that we can. Talking with Daniel Jeremiah, and I want to turn your attention to just kind of general draft questions now as we are on the eve of the draft. Are we to believe that Tua is really falling? Is that something that you think is actually going to happen when, when we get there and teams are on the clock? Because it seems all of a sudden he's the third quarterback in this draft, which is I don't think something any of us expected going into it. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know quite what to believe. I don't think he gets by the Chargers at six. But if he does get by the Chargers at six, I don't know where the home is for him. You know, is that uh, – you know, is, is that a, an opportunity for New England maybe to trade up from 23 to try and uh, to try and get him? I mean, maybe that's what happens. But I, I, I don't think the Raiders will take him with their two picks. I don't necessarily think Jacksonville would take him. So if he gets by six, then it's going to get it's going to get pretty wild. It's been a it's been a wild week. I mean, Gronk to Tampa Bay. I mean, all of these <laughs> things. Uh, it's it's I think we're set up for an absolutely bonkers next 24 hours. I don't even know how a guy like you prepares for it, sir. <laughs> well, you be ready to be nimble, right? Be ready to adjust and be nimble, and uh, and we'll react and uh, and and pray to the good Lord that the Wi-Fi holds out. 
Well, that's the other thing. I have a feeling yours will. I have a feeling you're properly prepared. He's Daniel Jeremiah. He's one of the best. He's a great friend of the program. We appreciate you a great deal. Your final mock draft tonight at 9 on the NFL Network and then tomorrow across ESPN, NFL Network, ABC on the draft coverage starting at 8. Daniel Jeremiah, thank you so much, pal. I appreciate you guys. Take care. All right, coming up next, we will kind of unpack some of that stuff there, including a big theme that Z and I both hit on consistently when talking about the tackle position with our various experts in the lead up to this draft. We get into that coming up next. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. For a significant period of time, the Browns are going to commit 100% of the team's net proceeds from the 2020 Browns jersey sales at First Energy Stadium's Pro Shop in partnership with Legends for a significant period of time. It's all going to go to hats off to our heroes. It's fantastic stuff. This happens with Fanatics and in partnership with Legends as well. To place an order from the First Energy Stadium Pro Shop, call 440-824-3427. 10 to 7 today, 10 to 5 Saturday and Sunday uh, in purchase, in-store purchases are currently unavailable and adherence to all policies and social distancing best practices. In addition, partners and fans can contribute directly to Hats Off to Our Heroes Fund at clevelandbrowns.com slash COVID-19, which also features community resources and additional information relevant to the coronavirus. And if you go through the the uh, the pro shop, they're coming quick. I've seen oh, a yeah. lot of people post that they're, they, they ordered and they're coming within a couple of days if you go through the pro shop. Um, and we're not seeing that with Fanatics uh, for whatever reason, that that's taking a little bit longer time. The one thing that, that I wanted to – you and I talked about this um, in the break. This is why this is difficult. The wide range of opinion on these four tackles is stunning. It's yeah. stunning. We have talked to people who – we talked to Joe Thomas, who who if anyone's going to know what a tackle looks like, it's Joe Thomas. And he has a certain strong opinion about – the top of the tackle position. You talk to Daniel Jeremiah. We've talked to Brugler. We'll talk to Brugler again. We've talked to all of these scouting services. And it's such a wide range. I, I think we've talked to people who've had Andrew Thomas one. We've had people who oh, yeah. we talked to have Andrew Thomas who's not in the top four, like Daniel Jeremiah doesn't has a separation there, that Thomas yep. is, is out of that. He's not alone, by the way. He's not the only one that we've heard that from. So it's a really brutal thing in that there is no consensus. I wonder if some of that is because of the lack of groupthink, because they're not pro days to come to a consensus with everybody talking to each other. Maybe that's it, uh, because nothing's really changed at the that. combine. Yeah, he even said, especially offensive line coaches love to talk, and you get that groupthink. Yeah. But, yeah, he said Andrew Thomas is number one on teams' boards that he's talked to, and yet Andrew Thomas is significantly down his board. We've heard, you know, things about Andrew Thomas that scare you, and we've also heard that he's the best natural left tackle to step in day one. So the value, and we've heard Tristan Wirfs is definitely the best tackle in this draft, and I've heard Tristan Wirfs isn't a tackle at all. And then I've heard Mekhi Becton From is, Joe. From, right? <laughs> from Joe, Right. right. And then you've heard you know, about Ezra and Austin. It's just, it's all over the map. And then let me throw this little wrinkle into your, into oh, your noodle here. Ian Rappaport reporting right now. Sources. The Dolphins have called the teams in front of them for a possible trade-up from number five and are gauging the price to come up to number three to potentially take an offensive tackle. 
We could see a run on tackles in the top 10 like never okay. before. Fine, fine, fine. Give me take Isaiah them. Simmons. Take them all. Let's we'll go. take Simmons. We'll come back into the first round. We'll get Ezra Cleveland. Super Bowl! Let's go. The uh, <laughs> I think Miami is smokescreening the heck out of us. I think they're going to sit at five and they're going to take Tua. And I think they are trying to put everybody off of their scent. And they put out this Herbert stuff last week. And now all of a sudden they're trading up to get a tackle at number three. They need and to I jump think- the Giants to get – there's only one tackle they could possibly live with that they're going to go from five to right. three to get a tackle. You give up another one to get, a, to get, another, to get a different tackle? Come on. So- I don't buy any of this. I think they're going to sit at five and draft Tua. So when a report like this comes out, and I would imagine in this business – for these guys, a lot of it is sometimes okay. And look, if they go up to three and take a tackle, my God, he he had it well, and everything. But don't you think sometimes they're like, look, we're telling well, this is what we're doing. We're going to tell you this. You're going to put it out, and then we will make sure you get some some something big from us in the like in the near future. Yes, that is, that's how that's how these things go. And that's how that's different. That that happens consistently in the NFL, and that's different for any other sport I've ever been around or covered. Dan Patrick just now said, I was just told that the Redskins will trade Trent Williams, and Josina Anderson said that Trent Williams trade heating up and something could happen imminently. When I hear this, I do not believe it will be with the Cleveland Browns. Dan Patrick, I was just told that the Redskins will trade Trent Williams and get a number one pick and then use that pick on an offensive lineman, and my source still believes that Chase Young is going to Washington number two overall. If you trade a first-round pick for a tackle – who hasn't played in a couple of years. And that you have to pay. And you have to pay. And you have to pay. I just can't see Trent Williams netting a one. I mean, what would that be? Would Tampa do it just because they're so in now and they need a tackle? Is that where it would be? <laughs> That's the team that I – Who that, else? It makes the most sense. Yes, that makes the most sense. That's the one, right? Where you, But do you give up 14 for Trent Williams? That seems like a heck It's a heavy of a price, lot. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just play this out. Let's say okay. that um let's say that that trade did happen. Okay. And it, the, the the one that Rappaport just had and it goes Burrow Young. Let's say that the Dolphins go up to get Wills at 3. Let's say okay. that's the one they get. Okay. And then uh Giants go Worfs. Okay. At 4. And 5 yep. is still Akuda cuz that doesn't change anything. Yep. Six is now Herbert. Six is now well, I, I or would think Tua. It would be Tua. Let's okay. go Tua because I think I think that's nonsense with Herbert. I don't think Herbert's anyway. falling out of the top ten. Okay, so seven is Carolina. So you'd have to worry about them for Dosunos, and you have to worry about you have to worry about the next three teams all for Dosunos. I don't think Arizona. I think Arizona will go tackle. I, I think Arizona – well, if, if there's a historic run, yeah, but I do think Arizona also could take Simmons. That's a yeah. that's that's yeah. popped up on a lot of different mocks, including my mock 3.0. All right. Carolina so could it, take him. Carolina, Carolina could also, take Derek Brown? Derek Brown. There's I also, think Carolina would take Simmons over Brown. There's a lot of talk also about C.J. Henderson going now in the top ten, the corner yeah. out of Florida. Get out of Florida. Yeah. He, I don't think he's worthy of that, but um, – yeah, so that it puts you in a position at 10 where you're probably – what would probably happen is you would be the start of the receiver run. 
would be what it would be. So if somebody loved a receiver, they would come to you at 10 to be able to get their pick of Judy, CeeDee Lamb, or Ruggs, whoever you wanted. Right. And I, I look, if the Browns – so I think the scenario, not that is the worst-case scenario, because I don't necessarily think it is the worst-case scenario, but let's say that the tackles are all gone and Simmons is gone, and you're the Browns. I still yep. think you're going to be in a great position for somebody trading up for a quarterback. I think you're in a yep. position for somebody trading oh, up for true. a receiver. Because if if we're now going to believe, let's just say the Dolphins don't take a quarterback, they take a tackle. Yep. Four tackles, okay? One quarterback, two quarterbacks because of Burrow. Burrow and either two or yep. Herbert. So now we're at pick, that's six. Akuda and Chase Young, now we're at eight. Yeah. So Simmons would be nine. Brown, yeah. if he were to go, would be nine, and Simmons could be there at 10. Now, if that's the case, I still think you're in a great place to move, and if I'm the Browns, I probably do move, right? You try to make a, a move back, get who you want, and still pick up some type of an asset along the way as you go. That would be an interesting would... scenario. If somehow Simmons uh, goes, if Simmons goes and all four tackles go, or if, let's say... The, you know, it's also totally possible. The Browns only love three of the four tackles. The Browns only love two of the four tackles. Right. If if Derek Brown is, is there at 10, and I know it's not a position of need, but if this is truly a best player available expansion draft outlook on this, he's a stud. He's a game wrecker. That dude is a game wrecker. I know we don't need defensive tackles, but he's a game wrecker. That's what that he, dude is. He is. I don't I know. It, it'll test. If that all happens, this nonsense all happens, and you're to believe the silly season, that would test you because he's blue chip. He's top five talent in the, in the draft. Yeah, and you'd have to – do you have him ahead of any of the receivers? That would be the question, right? right. And and do, Or do you have him ahead of, you know, somebody else, or do you have him ahead of, you know – the trade value that you'd be bringing back to move out of that position. And I think that would all yep. of a sudden become a very, very interesting situation. Look, Matt Miller said this, and how about this scenario? Mentioned this on the Stick to Football podcast that there's been talk the Dolphins could go offensive tackle first, then package 18 and 26 for a quarterback who slips. So let's say they get their tackle. We trade 10 for 18 and 26. And they get and well, they come back and they get Tua. Yeah, I do that tomorrow. Well, yeah, I don't think that's possible. But <laughs> I don't either. But what I, I what would they be trading that. eighteen and twenty six for a court where that slips? Uh, yeah, I have a hard time. So maybe you get, but even that. even if you get eighteen, you go from ten to eighteen and pick up one of their because they have three twos. I would do that in a heartbeat. Why would you, why would you risk? If you're them, why would you risk not getting the quarterback you want? Because who knows? You want. If you're them, why aren't like, you what just? What are we talking about? If you want a tackle so bad, why aren't you just bringing in Jameis Winston, taking a tackle at five, getting a superstar wide receiver at eighteen, and and at twenty six, yeah. get somebody else that can help your team. Right, get Delpit at twenty six. Great, done. Replace Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, sold, done. What, what, this isn't that. I, I don't believe. That's why I don't believe it. I think they're going to pick two at five, and I think they're trying to dissuade. The Chargers from going to up into the two, three, or four to get Tua. That's what I think is happening here. Because I think the Chargers would love to put Tua on a billboard on the 405 in those uniforms. I think they'd love it. So I think 
I think that's I think what's they should happening. Just put here. Cam Newton in that uniform and be done with it. I, I don't disagree with that either. But but I do. I I just don't believe for a second that Miami would move up to take a tackle. What? That's worth it. So you get the second tackle instead of the first. Who cares? It's not that big of a difference. It's crazy. Uh, more chaos uh, coming up next. You'll hear from Tim Couch in the second hour as well. And Dame Brugler will join us for the final time coming up at 2.30 as well. you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Before the draft gets started tomorrow night, we are inviting fans to congregate and enjoy the first ever Browns virtual draft party presented by Bud Light Seltzer. The interactive live show hosted by the Z, which stands for Zagura, set for 6 yes. o'clock. We broadcast for fans on the Browns YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter. Viewers will get to hear the latest draft news from Dane Brugler, who will join us at the bottom of the hour. Team owner J.W. Johnson and head coach Kevin Stefanski watch interviews with a number of celebrity guests, including... Joe Thomas and Brad Paisley register today for the first ever Browns virtual draft party presented by Bud Light Seltzer at clevelandbrowns.com. You going to be cocktailing if it's a party? A little bit of Bud Light Seltzer for you? Yeah, if if I do, it certainly would be a Bud Light Seltzer, but I've got a whole lot of business to attend to on this evening, Bo. So it's going to be a virtual draft party. It's going to be a ton of fun. Register at clevelandbrowns.com. Sign up now. Get in there. We're going to have a great time. Big L luminary guests. We're talking Brad Paisley. We're talking... J.W. Johnson, Big L's dub. What what is the um what is this what is, what is, what is this going to be like? Because when a virtual draft party, so what does this look like? What what is it? So we're going to be obviously we're all in our own areas, but we'll be connected to the people where they can watch it, and I'll be conducting interviews, like I said, with J.W. and Brad Paisley, and hopefully head coach Kevin Stefanski, Joe Thomas, Mac Wilson. Um, and we'll just have some interactive segments as well with the fans, but giving them all the latest that's going on, getting ready, and I'll just us kind of getting to be together. We couldn't have a real draft party. Hopefully next year by 2021 when the draft is actually in Cleveland, we will have a massive draft party all together, but this year it'll be kind of a virtual draft party, get to hang out with myself, some of the top people in the organization, players past and present, as well as uh, Brad Paisley, and so it should be a lot of fun and just get us ready, and that leads you directly into 7 o'clock when Browns Countdown draft preview special uh, will be airing live on news five and then that breeds you right into eight o'clock the draft on tv and then on the radio you're listening to us on the university hospital school browns radio network all the way through midnight wow there you go loaded up my friend loaded um this is it's bonkers i i don't believe this this rapaport report in any way that that the Miami Dolphins would trade up and give up anything to move up two spots to get ahead of the Giants to take a tackle it makes just no sense in any way, shape, or form that they would do that. I don't buy it. I think this everything they're doing is is to make uh, make the Chargers think they're not interested in Tua, so the Chargers don't up, go up and get Tua at number two, number three, or number four. And I think it's as simple as that. Um, I, I don't see any scenario where a team who, by the way, last week was so hooked on Herbert, now all of a sudden they're off of Herbert. So much so, Albert Breer said yesterday that they love Herbert, that Dan Marino loves Herbert, and they're taking Herbert. And, and now, a day later, to hell with that, Forget Dan Marino. What does he know? Laces out Marino. He doesn't know anything. And the next thing you know, they're taking a tackle and they're giving up assets to take it. Just no sense to it. None. I don't it's buy one, any of it. It's one of those situations where Finkel is Einhorn. And so you don't really know is. 
what you're actually dealing with. And yes, uh, Kenko on Twitter, a great word. He said it's subterfuge, and I agree with that. I think that's a that's wonderful a word, word for what's going on. Excellent diction. And so, yeah, it's silly season. You're going to hear all this stuff. Teams are posturing, trying to spook people into doing things that they would uh, to ra- act irrationally in a time where they need to act rationally. They've all prepared for it. They've gone through the scenarios. They need to take advantage of all of their preparation and let things unfold as they believe they will. And you have to be prepared for if somebody does something that you didn't expect them to do. You have to have backup plans. And I think for the Browns, certainly they are ready. They've gone through simulations. As I said, not only from a football standpoint, they've gone through draft simulations from technological issue standpoints as they're there and boom, all of a sudden the power's out. Boom, the internet goes down. All of these things, how they handle it. So I think of the Browns, I'm so excited i know they're so prepared the three p's i want a t-shirt of this by the way if kurt angle can get a t-shirt about his three eyes intensity integrity and intelligence i think the browns can have a three p one about preparation plan and process let's go they're ready here we go giddy up and i know we got some more mocks in our mock i find it interesting that gibbe doesn't even want to use his own mock draft that he did 3.0 that includes great analysis like when he drafts a linebacker we need lbs period I don't know why we're not going to discuss that, but we're going to discuss a fun one here that involves some trading around, some maneuvering, as it were, and, and see what uh, see what happens there. Yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, this is from R.J. White of CBS Sports. Uh, Burrow, Young, Akuda, one, two, three, as many have. Wills, four to the Giants. Two of five to Miami, I believe that one. Uh, Andrew Thomas to the Chargers at six. Um, Isaiah Simmons, seven to Carolina. C.J. Henderson, so the Cardinals moving up into the – or the Falcons, rather, moving up to number eight into the Cardinals slot and taking C.J. Henderson, the corner out of Florida, who you mentioned was, seems to be a fast riser. Derek Brown going nine to Jacksonville at that point. And then the trade is us trading with Denver, so we would move back to 15. They'd give up 15, 83, and 118 to go up to this spot to get Judy – um, and the Browns would drop back to 15, so the Broncos would take Judy at that point. Worfs would go right after that, so that's the run on the tackles is is almost complete, and then at 14, Mekhi Becton would go to Tampa. Now, here's the part that is interesting again. So now we were picking at 15 in this draft. Not so fast. Trading again. This time, trading down again, giving 15 and 97 to the Eagles in exchange for 21 and 53, so that's a, a lower one in 21, and now a two, so you'd now get two twos in this draft and Philly would be able to get Henry Ruggs and we would drop down to 21 and take Ezra Cleveland at 21. So as I look at this, we've heard a lot and we'll have Ben Albright on the show tomorrow for the very latest, but we've heard quite a bit about Denver wanting to come to 10 to take a wide receiver. And so I think the Browns making a pit stop at 15 is very feasible. I also think that the Eagles, and again, the connection between Andrew Barry and Howie Roseman, I think that cannot be ignored. The Eagles are covetous of a wide receiver in this draft, and it would not surprise me at all, at all all if the Browns ultimately pick at pick 21 in the first round. And in this scenario, the Browns would come out of this, in case people are wondering, the Browns would come out of it with their first-round pick at pick 21. They would come out of it with two twos, two threes, and two fours when it's all said and done. That would allow them to completely load up. You could go Cleveland, and then you could go a Delpit or a Chin plus a receiver. Maybe you get Delpit and K.J. Hamler. Maybe you get Chin and K.J. Hamler in the second round. Plus in the third round, you'd have two. Early in the third round, by the way, you'd have two in the fourth round as well. So just to move from 10 to 21, still get the tackle that you – many people believe that the Browns do covet from his athletic profile and how he fits into our wide zone scheme. 
and now you've picked up an extra second. You've turned pick 97 into pick 83, so you moved up 14 in the in this third round, and you pick up an extra fourth round pick. I think that is yeah. that would have to be considered a home run scenario, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think the hard thing, that just from the fans' perspective, what would be hard on that front, because you have to remember from the fans' perspective that so much attention is paid to the number one. And we've spent so much time talking about these four tackles um, and the media, you know, everybody has. Everybody's talking about these four tackles. Which one do you want? And if the idea that you pick at 10 and Becton is there and Werfs is there, uh, both of the two guys who just stole the combine, that would be, I think, a, t- a little bit of a tough thing for fans to understand. I agree with you. It makes a ton of sense. You get Too Cleveland bad. and you get two twos, two threes, all of that. Your, your plan makes perfect sense. But I think the fan reaction, that would be tough. You can't worry about that. You can't no. worry about that. When you, you worry about best the for you. fans, and the other thing, you end up as one of them. What you have to remember is, the other thing you have to remember, and I, this is really important, we've had a 1,000 of these guys on. Some people say there's an enormous difference between the first three, like Daniel Jeremiah, the first three and those that follow. Some people think there's not much difference between the number four and Ezra Cleveland or Austin Jackson. Some people think that. So this, there's such a wide range of discrepancy, and what we're looking for at tackle is very specific to what we're doing. So I think that's the thing to have your mind open to. If you could come out of two twos with a draft that has this type of safety talent in the second round, maybe an Antoine Winfield who's just a ball hawk. You wanted somebody who could get down there and guard slot corners. He's one who could. Um, you think about him doing that, or slot receivers, he could do that. Um, kind of a just a, a great secondary player. You could do that, and Hamler and Cleveland. You mentioned Delpit. I don't think he'll be there at 41, but you know there's a lot that can happen uh, with that, and I would love the idea of picking having two second-round picks in this thing, to be quite honest with you, my friend. So I think a lot has been made about that big four, but I think those who are you are who are listening and, and to Cleveland Browns, they only pay attention to scores. We've talked a heck of a lot as well about Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland, and Josh Jones, that second group of tackles. And I think, you know, we've had Dane Brugler say the least surprising thing on draft day from that he's heard, and that, he's talking about the league, not from a Browns him, but the least surprising thing yeah. on draft day to him would be the Browns trading back taking Ezra Cleveland and picking up more assets. So I think it's something that people should be prepared for. And look, we've talked, like you said, we've talked with Joe Thomas, and we won't put what he said specifically out there, but his opinion on these guys is varied. And it seems he's really only comfortable with two of the four. And so it's possible that he said it on our shows. He said it. So he said Wills and Becton. Like, those are the two he loves. He has Worfs, he has problems with Thomas, he has issues with. He said it on our shows. So, fine. So, those so, are the two. So, if, if those you think two. think Worfs is a guard? If those two are off the board. He's Joe Thomas. Then, you know, just because there are two of the quote-unquote big four doesn't mean they're the big four to the Browns. I think the Browns' exactly. evaluation process is what matters more than anything as long as it turns out to be successful, right? And I think that's what you, – you're not going to know that immediately, but that's the goal. That's what we're all talking about. And so – I think it goes back to my argument with the quarterbacks. It wasn't, well, let's just, whatever quarterbacks there you take. No, it's a quarterback you want. That's who you go and get. And in this case, it's the tackle that you want. And by the way, it may be that Ezra Cleveland or Austin Jackson actually is the tackle that the Browns want, knowing that they can also get other assets while getting them. They may think that whole package. So the question becomes, in this scenario, for example, is – would you trade today? Would you trade today? Let's see who's there at, at in this particular mock draft. Worfs is on the board, and Becton's on the board. 
Now, Becton yep. had that little bit of an issue. He ends up going fourth in this match. So, would you trade today Makai Becton for Ezra Cleveland, a second-round pick, a 14-pick better in the third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick? So, is Ezra Cleveland plus three players, one of whom is a second-rounder, third-rounder, a second-round pick, another who's right. a, a good third-round pick, and another who's an early fourth-round pick, would you trade – Right now, Mackay Becton for Ezra Cleveland and a two, a three, and a four. I think the so answer. Here's what you need to do. This is what we need to do. We need to put this to Brugler because I am not going to sit here and tell you that I know the difference that's that significant between Becton and Ezra Cleveland. Because news for you, brother, I didn't watch a lot of Boise State football. Okay, yeah. so I didn't. So well, I can't like tell you. I can't tell you that I would do that. That might there might be a gulf between Ezra Cleveland and Mackay Becton. It may be enormous. It may be the difference between Joe Thomas and everybody who's not Joe Thomas. It could be that. I, I don't know. So, I w- so in theory, what you said makes sense, but let's put that exact thing to Brugler, and he's joining us at, at the bottom of the hour because I, th- I think that's a, that's a great one that somebody like him ought to be able to answer and give you the answer for that one on. Coming up next, you'll hear from Tim Couch, CBD, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My friends, I want to tell you about my friend Alex and his company, Northeast Factory Direct. We talk about them a lot. Maybe we don't talk about shopping online that much. We should be. We are now. More and more people buying furniture on their website. So they're making a purchase online at Northeast Factory Direct. Now we're going to save even more money. All you have to do is enter the code RADIO at checkout. If you do, and when you do, you'll receive an additional 25 bucks off already off of their incredibly low price. It's incredible. Not only do they have all essential building materials like kitchen cabinets, sinks, vanities, but also important sanitary products for pools and spas like filters, pumps, and cleaners. If you need furniture, mattresses, home office furniture, patio furniture, even bedding. You can shop from the comfort of your home online at northeastfactorydirect.com. And you can still contact their scores to schedule an appointment. It's easy to do, virtual tour as well, or remote virtual consultation. All of those things are possible, and they're happening at Northeast Factory Direct. In fact, Alex would love to hear from you. If you have a question, just call or text his personal cell phone, 216-288-1808. That is 216-288-1808. 1808. Tim Couch knows what it's like. Andrew Barry said he's going to approach this like an expansion draft. Tim Couch was a quarterback in an expansion draft. He went number one overall. He's one of those guys that if the circumstances were slightly different, you have to think that the career would be different. It's tough being an expansion quarterback. Tim did it with grace and certainly a lot of grit as well. His advice to this year's draft class, and this is from uh, this is from last night, I do believe, his road to the draft show on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Uh, here is Tim Couch from last night. You know, I, I think for me, you know, especially a high pick coming in, you know, a first-round pick, those guys have had – you know, nothing but success. And they've been, you know, the best player at each level they've been so far. Uh, you know, I would tell them just try not to expect too much too soon because, you know, not only you're coming into the league with so many expectations placed upon you being a first-round pick, you're, you're, you're probably going to go to a pretty bad team, you know, especially if you're being picked up, you know, high in the first, uh, you know, in the first round like that. You're going to go to a team that's in a rebuilding process. 
uh, you know, so probably just try not to expect too much too soon. And, you know, don't, you know, kind of, you know, kind of temper the expectations down a little bit because, you know, it's such a big jump. Um, you know, some, some guys, you know, make it quicker than others. And I think a lot of that has to do with the circumstance they're placed in, you know, the talent around them, if, if they're in a system that's right for them. All, all those things have to fall into place, staying healthy. Uh, but, you know, just just, uh, you just come in and just work hard, and that's the main thing. Just come in like you're, you know, an undrafted player and you're trying to work your butt off to make the team. And that, that's the attitude you need to come in with. And, you know, I think if you keep that, you know, keep things in perspective and come in with the, with the right mindset, that's, uh, you know, you can have success pretty quickly. You know, Z, the interesting thing about that is both both Tim and David Carr were guys who, yeah. if you have an expansion draft, that's who you take number one. Because not only were they incredibly talented players in college and accomplished players in college, but they just looked like cover boy quarterbacks. Like you could market them forever easily. Um, the interesting thing, though, about going to bad situations, look how quickly Baker Mayfield, who went number one overall, he went from drafted number one overall, having success in his rookie year right away, to going into his second year, we're the fourth pick to win the Super Bowl. Now, it didn't manifest, but that was what that's how quickly this team got talented. Yep. And I think the same thing could happen down in Cincinnati for Joe Burrow. That is a talented team that he's going to. They're going to get Jonah Williams back. He's going number one overall. You saw the fight they had at the end of last year, not just in our game, but against the Dolphins game. Now you add Burrow to that. You had a healthy A.J. Green to that. Jonah Williams back at left tackle. They get a pick at 33. They're going to get a good player there. Could be one of those receivers that we talk about. Could be happen- Could be the Jefferson kid out of LSU, and they pair him with Burrow. Cincinnati could be good quick. It's a little different than it was at that time. It's very different, and yes, it can come very, very quickly, and I think it just goes to the point of how difficult this AFC North is going to be. But yeah, it's a completely different league, and especially when you're not going to an expansion team. You're going to teams that have a lot of pieces yeah. in place, and things can get turned around in a hurry. And I mean, you just think about how sometimes people fall into that number one pick in the scenarios. Andrew Luck goes to the Colts because they yeah. were playing without quarterbacks and trying to end up up there, so... Yeah, it is a much different situation than the one Tim Couch entered. And you wonder if Tim Couch entered a much more regular situation, you know, how things may have gone for Tim Couch, who was a very talented guy, but kind of just like Carr got knocked around so much early that never was able to really be the same again. Yeah, you wonder, like, if he had gone to Philly instead of McNabb, if he would have been the Philly quarterback during that time, it would have been different for sure. And if you think about a lot of the quarterbacks that have been drafted high recently – if you think about, you know, Mahomes a first rounder, Deshaun Watson a first rounder, Lamar Jackson was an MVP in his second year. It's easier now than it's ever been to go from college to pro and be good right away. It is yeah. so much easier than it was 20 years ago uh, when Couch came in. Coaches are open to adapting offenses to you. They're not. I mean, think about Mike Michael Vick being drafted number one overall by the Falcons and being told we're going to run West Coast offense with Michael Vick. Why? Like to not run that guy out of the gun. Yeah. and just put him on the edge and run RPO. I mean, can you imagine what they that would look like? didn't know about that back then. I know. It's no, crazy. Well, the colleges were doing it. Sure. But the NFL was so was stuck not. in its ways that they Pro tried stop. to make him something. He's got to stay in the pocket. Can he throw? Who cares? He runs 4-2. Yeah, let him, get, let him make plays. Let him make plays. All of us were doing it on Madden with him. Yeah, it was very easy. It was fun on Madden. Yeah. It was. Uh, here is Tim on the importance of finding a left tackle in this draft for the Browns. You know, as a quarterback, you know, when you start getting hit, uh, and this is true for any quarterback, uh, you know, the, the clock in your head speeds up and you start forcing the ball, you start making decisions 
uh, faster and you know quicker than you have to. You actually have more time than you think, but you just don't trust it. And uh, you know, so so you get back there. You know, you, instead of letting plays develop down the field, you you know you're rushing to get rid of it. You don't think you can hold it and let let plays develop. Uh, you know, things like that. They really uh, you know get into the quarterback's mindset when he's been hit quite a bit and feels that pressure. Uh, so, so to have a left tackle over there that's going to protect you and you know you have time to you know sit in the pocket, step up, let things happen down the field, and you know make good decisions where the ball is, uh, you know it's just invaluable for a young quarterback. This is another circumstance where the game has changed dramatically. Uh, the left tackle to protect the quarterback's blind side. We've heard Andrew Barry say, I don't worry about left tackle, right tackle. They're just tackles to me. Um, and, and some would argue that the more important thing is the pressure up the middle as opposed to the pressure on the outside, that that's more critical to protecting a quarterback. Um, and, and furthermore, in an offense like the one we're going to play in, the ball is going to be out so quickly. Tim and those guys are taking five, seven-step drops yeah. from under center. Like, that's not happening anymore. That, all of that's changed. Yeah, not as much. And in our offense, you know, everything's going to be look like a run pre, post-snap. And so it's about the deception that buys time. And that's like I said, the Lions in Minnesota wasn't it wasn't full of pro bowlers, and yet Kirk Cousins was kept very upright, and they were able to have a very efficient offense. Same in San Francisco. This system will help, which is, again, why, you know, we go back to that scenario of getting an Ezra Cleveland and picking up another two and a three and a four. That seems to make a lot of sense to me. By the way, Michael Lombardi who covers the NFL. We know that, obviously, spent some time with the Browns. He says, (laughs) he says, quote, the Dolphins want to get ahead of the Giants, not for Tua, but for the best tackle, period. That's real, period. In response to the Rappaport report. I disagree. (laughs) Respectfully. We'll find out tomorrow. But, I mean, if that is true, that is just... Wild, and now that means there will be a quarterback, I would expect, on the board at 10 that somebody is going to want. So he's saying that they want to go ahead of the Giants to get the number one tackle. That's right. They're going to trade up to for a tackle. They're going to move one spot for a tackle, Z? I'm to believe that? Two spots, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. I can't, dude. Why would you do this? You're in such an incredible position here. Ross these Tucker. three ones. Let me just bring some levity to this. Ross Tucker said they'd have to really love one of those four offensive tackles a lot more than the rest and be sure the Giants are going to take him at number four for this to make any sense, which makes me think because it seems like there's so much fire around the fact that Gettleman wants to take Tristan Wirfs that that's who they covet as well which, again, makes everything I feel like I know about tackles and other people know about tackles makes me feel, what, like, what are, what is anybody doing? So, uh, it's pretty... Did you notice a- the... Do you know the second part of this? What? Second part of this tweet? What? Which one? Not to take Tua. They named Tua specifically. This is a team who a week ago, everybody said they're not taking Tua, they're, they're not taking, taking Tua, Herbert. they love Herbert, they love Herbert. Well, right. that hasn't worked. So, now they're saying, we hate Tua, we can't stand him. It's not for him. It's to get a tackle. Like, why are they attaching Tua to this? If a week ago we're to believe they didn't want Tua anyway because Dan Marino wanted Justin Herbert. Nonsense. I can't wait. It's so. I love when it's not when all the the craziness just, is over and now we just get the we get to get the reality. But this is it's this is an crazy. interesting wrinkle coming in here right at uh, right at the it. start. I do not buy it. We'll ask Brugler about it coming up next. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland.
listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. It's our good buddy Dave Brugler for the final time before the draft. A little bit of a chat from the man who does the beast on The Athletic and uh, knows more about all these guys than anybody. Uh, Dane, this has just been a crazy week already. If I'm to believe everything that is being reported, at the Combine, the Miami Dolphins were to a tongue of Iloa, no doubt about it. That was before he got a positive test on his hip, by the way, and and was and and things changed in that way. All right, so now last week, no, not Tua, it's Herbert. They love him. Marino loves him. They had him at the Senior Bowl. They love him. Okay, now today, according to Rappaport, they're moving up to three to draft a tackle. I I, I believe it's all nonsense, buddy. I think it's all nonsense. Uh, where do you sit on all the silly season stuff right now? Yeah, it's silly season, misinformation season. Uh, you know, it, there's there's a reason why things are talked about 24 hours before the draft. You know, it's no coincidence why things are, are talked about and leaked and mentioned. And it just – it really uh, ramps up the anticipation for what this draft and how it's going to play out. So, uh, I, I can't wait. It, it would be certainly interesting if the Dolphins did make that move – moving up two spots to uh, Detroit at number three for a tackle, uh, given that I mean, you, this is a strong tackle class. So you better have a right. clear number one tackle uh, to jump the Giants. Then you better be pretty confident that the Giants would take your guy uh, at number four, or else you're just giving away draft picks to move up two spots uh, for no reason. Now, Miami has 14 draft picks starting uh, you know, right now. So they've got some room to, uh, you know, move around a little bit. But still, I, it's hard to know what to make of this. Um, it, now, I think the if that does happen, say that comes to fruition, Miami, whether they move up to three or they stay put at five and they take a tackle, what then becomes really interesting is do they then target a Jordan Love with 18? Because uh, they have two other first-round picks. So what do they do? Is there another quarterback? maybe that they have their eye on in this class and do they wait until pick number 18 to do that so uh just another interesting wrinkle to throw in the mix as we get started for this thing two-parter for you just to follow up to that if there is a tackle that would be demonstrably viewed as better than the rest who do you think that would have the potential to be uh, and I know I'm tr- trying to get you to think in the in the framework of the Miami Dolphins and what they're right. thinking. And then the second part of that is, why not just sit at 18 and take the the fifth tackle? Is there that big of a difference between the first tackle and the fifth or sixth tackle? Well, I think first and foremost, it starts with the quarterback. If you're not convinced that – I think it's more about the quarterback than the offensive tackle uh, there in the top five. If you're convinced one of these quarterbacks is the guy, well, then you go and get him. You know, no question about it. But if they have doubts about Herbert, which I certainly understand, I don't think Herbert's a top 15 pick for me personally. Uh, and then Tua, say the medicals are just too much uh, and they overwhelm the evaluation, then you know you, you have to pass there and you go for tackle. Now, which tackle, uh, that, that's, that's tough because it's, there's, there really is no consensus. And when you look at uh, you look at the Dolphins team, they, they need tackle help, no question. And left side, right side, uh, you know, would they go uh, with an Andrew Thomas who's battle-tested, who has uh, experience left side, right side, with Tristan Wirfs has the athleticism. I mean, I really could make an argument for each one of those guys. Um, it, it really makes it interesting. But like I said, you if they make a move up, you better be pretty convinced that the Giants, who I believe they're taking a tackle – 
you better be pretty convinced that they're going to take your guy or you're just giving away. I, I just, I'd be su- surprised if a team, uh, even though there's no consensus, I'd be surprised if a team saw a clear number one that right. there wasn't a huge gap between one, two, three, and even four. It certainly would be a stunning scenario and one that would make things, I think, very interesting from the Browns' standpoint when you get to number 10. Number one, I think it would increase the possibility that Isaiah Simmons could be on the board for them at number 10 if all four tackles, in fact, ended up going in the top nine picks, which might be realistic, especially if Tampa Bay were to maybe trade into nine with Jacksonville to get ahead of the Browns to get one of these tackles. Is that something that you're thinking maybe from what you're hearing is more realistic than we thought? Because we thought for sure there'd be at least one or two of the tackles on the board at the Browns pick at 10. Oh, definitely. That is definitely a possibility. Uh, But I do think that there will be teams, you know, to your point, if Isaiah Simmons falls, there will be several teams that are looking to trade up into the top 10 to get Simmons. Uh, The Falcons have their eye on him. They're looking to be aggressive at 16. You look at the Raiders at 12. Uh, There are several teams that I I think if Isaiah Simmons falls out of the top seven, uh, they'd be willing to pounce and and go get that linebacker, that uh, versatile, do-everything defensive playmaker that uh, a lot of teams are highly intrigued with. So, uh, not only the tackles, uh, I think we're talking about possible trade-up scenarios in front of 10, but also several of uh, several teams have their eye on Isaiah Simmons if he were to fall a little bit. So things would get really interesting. And, you know, to bring, just bring it back to the quarterbacks, if Miami does go tackle, then where do these quarterbacks go? Uh, you know, with Tua, this, this, maybe one goes six to the Chargers. That would certainly make sense. I think they would lean Tua in that scenario. But then, okay, Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, every team that I've talked to and uh, kind of around this time is when I reached out to a lot of, uh, you know, my team contacts and I'll, I'll give them certain names and ask for, okay, what, what kind of range do you think that these quarterbacks or these players are going to go in? And with Herbert, all the feedback I've gotten is teams think he's going top 10. Uh, same thing with Tua. They, they think he's going top 10. So if Miami does not go quarterback, then that really shakes up the top 10 with what other teams are thinking uh, because uh, where are these two quarterbacks going to go? Chargers, maybe, and then maybe Jacksonville, although they seem pretty content with sticking with Gardner Minshew uh, for a season and then possibly going with quarterback next year. So the quarterback conversation really becomes uh, interesting if Miami doesn't and does in fact pass on one there in the top five. It certainly would get interesting. All right, we want you to put your GM hat. I'm going to present two scenarios to you. This is one that we saw just in a mock draft, and and I know what side of it I'm on, uh, and I wanted to ask what side you would be on. So you're the general manager of the Browns. Here are your options. You can have any tackle in this draft at 10. So your favorite is Jedrick Wills. You can have Jedrick Wills at 10. Or you can make, in this case, a series of trades, one where you move back to 15 with Denver and then a second trade where you go from 15 to 21. The final haul that you would end up with is Ezra Cleveland at 21. You pick up an extra two, so you now have two twos. Your third-round pick goes from 97 to 83, so you now have, you still have two threes, but it's now 74 and 83 as opposed to 74 and 97. You also pick up an additional fourth-round pick. So you pick up a two and a four for free, and you move up 14 spots in the third round just to move back 11 spots you still get Ezra Cleveland so the the value is on one side Jedrick Wills the other would be Cleveland a two 14 spots better in the third round and an additional four oh I love it I mean that's what makes it fun going over these scenarios <laughs> uh that's whew, 
Um, you know, I, I, I think I would lean toward, and it would be really tough to pass on one of these tackles. Um, if, especially if Jedrick Wills is there, he's my favorite. Um, it would be tough because I, I think he has a chance to be a, a big time player, but I, I think I would lean towards uh, getting that haul and having what five picks in the top 83 uh, instead of uh, having four and then also having an extra fourth. I, I think I would lean towards yeah. that because that would allow me to get the safety I want in the second, get the linebacker I want in the second, and then in the third I can play around a little bit. I can go, you know, receiver is going to be terrific value at that point. Uh, with several second-round receivers probably falling to me in the third. Uh, you know, I can go a lot of different directions with that fifth pick uh, in the top 100. And, you know, Ezra Cleveland, I, I worry about the anchor. I, I worry uh, about uh, just, you know, does he have the core strength to hold up against bull rushers at the next level? No questions about his movement skills, his athleticism, uh, his smarts, his football character. So in this scenario, as much as it would pain me to tr- trade away from one of those top tackles, I think I'd make that move and pick up the extra pick and uh, go with maybe the, the, the quantity over the quality. And, Dane, does that speak to um, – and I know that's a tough one for you because I know much you love Wills. Is that, is that speak to the amount of, of talent, um, especially at, at receiver, and something that we think the, the Browns could certainly be interested in in that second round even or, or third if, if need be? Does it speak to the incredible talent that will be available there that, that allows you to, to do a deal like that if that's something A.B. decides to do tomorrow night? Yeah, you know, it's tough because you're not drafting just for this year. You know, you're drafting for the next three, four, five. You know, you, you have to think in the future, and you can't just – it's not a Madden roster, and you're looking, okay, uh, we have a need at safety. Okay, we need to do that in the second round. We have a need at linebacker to get him in the third round. You, you can't think like that. You have to look at how the board falls to you. And in this draft, I think that there's a lot of talent in that second round range. And I think really that extends into the early portion of, uh, of the third round where there's not a huge uh, gap between, you know, whoever to pick 25 is and then 65. You know, I think there's some, some similar talent level. Uh, and so I think it speaks more to that and the fact that this draft is going to stretch a little bit. And if you have a chance to add picks in the top 65, top 75, those are guys that should be starters for you, long-term starters. And, you know, it's as much as I'd like to get the top talent available, and uh, I think it's just a different uh, difference of philosophy. And you better be uh, – if you do a move like that, you better be spot on with your evaluation of an Ezra Cleveland because, say, Ezra Cleveland does not work out. Uh, and, you know, he's a uh, not someone that lives up to uh, where you drafted him. All of a sudden, you know, and meanwhile, Jedrick Wills or whoever the other tackle is, you know, going to Pro Bowls, that's what you're going to be remembered for as a GM, is trading away from that Pro Bowl tackle because you have your eye on adding talent in the second and third round, which uh, could prove to be the right move, but only if your evaluation of that other tackle that you're drafting uh, is, turns out to be true and turns out to be a quality pick. Right, you got you got to make sure if you pass on a Pro Bowler that you're bringing in a Pro Bowler, and you got you'd have multiple swings at the plate to do so, but you'd have to do it. All right, Dane, I've become within the last 72 hours enamored with the thought of adding KJ Hamler into the Browns' offense because I remember back in 14 with the Browns, and then into 16 with the Falcons, what a guy with this kind of speed that Taylor Gabriel had could do in this type of a scheme as that third receiver. And I just think adding that speed would be tremendous to the Browns. Am I nuts? What do you think about K.J. Hamler? And, or, or is there somebody else that I should be more intrigued with if I'm talking about a receiver maybe at 41 or 74? 
no, I think uh, yeah, he is a, a guy that's definitely worth getting excited about because he has that blur speed uh, who can just run past you. Uh, and his ability to control his throttle uh, mid-cut really makes him a tough guy to cover. Uh, he, he can just, in, in the blink of an eye, uh, motor past you uh, in coverage. And so he's just he's a tough cover. And the, the worries with him, obviously, the size. He's under 5'9". He's under 180 pounds. Um, and then just the ball skills. Uh, I think that he has good hands. I don't think he has bad hands. But where he runs into problems, because he had 12 drops last year, where yep. he runs into problems, he looks to run before he finishes the catch. And so just fine-tuning those focus issues, being more reliable as a finisher, that's something he needs to get better at uh, at the next level. But yeah, he is a fun player. And so with a smaller player, you know, obviously you're making your quarterback uh, you know, aim for a smaller target. And so you know, you're looking for a lot of manufactured touches, jet sweeps, trying to get the ball in his hands uh, you know, on screens any way possible and just let his athleticism take over. I think K.J. Hamler would have a lot more buzz if he were able to work out at the combine. He was battling through a minor hamstring thing, um, but he potentially could have gotten into those four twos. I think he would have been at least in the low four threes speed definitely not a question with this player so i think he there's a chance he might fall out of the top 50 uh and be somewhere in that 50 to 65 range so maybe that's where you know that's another thing with adding extra picks you can play around a little bit more if you want to get back into that second round and end up with three second round picks go use your uh one of your thirds and then you know two fourths to go up into that late second and go get a kj hamler so with the more draft capital you have, the more fun you can have trading around and going to get key pieces that you see as ingredients for a championship roster. Yeah, that's why I think in that initial scenario we talked about, you could come out of the, the first and second rounds with Cleveland, Jeremy Chin, and K.J. Hamler. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I might be moonwalking down Lou Groza Boulevard if that happens, based on my extensive research, obviously. But nonetheless, it would study. be exciting to me. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's something I think, uh, you know, these fans would get excited about. I think there'd be the initial, uh, okay, these guys better know what they're doing, trading away from one of those tackles, but seeing how you could get a Jeremy Chin or, you know, enter your favorite safety here, whoever that is in the early second, and then coming away with a playmaker, uh, someone that's just going to add another element of excitement and uh, just dynamic speed to that offense. That, that's that's what you're looking for, and I think that'd be a great fit with this new offense and the different things they're looking to do. Uh, yeah, sign me up for that. I think that would work well. Dane, if if, if not Hamler, um, if it is receiver, in, if there are two seconds or whatever, who else do you love there? Uh, there the other names, it's maybe Higgins falls to there, Chenault falls to there. Is there anybody that you love uh, in, in that mid-two that you think would also be kind of fit that profile of a burner? Obviously, Higgins is more of an outside guy, big receiver on the edge. But is there – that's a mismatch. That's something we don't have either, frankly, in terms of a big receiver on the outside. Is there another guy you love there? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Rager, if he were able to fall a little bit, I think he probably is going to go somewhere top. 40 um top 45 so maybe if you love Jalen Rager enough and his explosive athleticism you use him or go him at 41 and then if you feel good about the safety class stretching a little bit you can get Ashton Davis uh from Cal or maybe even Antoine Winfield um you know later in the second if that's how it works out and LaVisca Chenault is he's fun he is if talent's not the question with him if 
is clean bill of health and you're not worried about the injuries at all, LaVisca Chanel is a first-round talent. Uh, right. The ball in his hands, the instincts, the acceleration, his ability to break tackles, uh, both just with his, his body power and then his athletic twitch where he can be elusive and make guys miss, uh, you know, he's kind of – he's not – you know, K.J. Hamler is obviously your small scat uh, uh, athlete who can move really well. He's going to run in the four twos. LaVisca Chenault is more of your bigger athlete who is uh, – you know, still has some of that speed, still has some of that acceleration. He just breaks tackles and makes things happen in a different way. So a guy that's 6'1", 230, could probably play linebacker if he wanted – uh, and just watching him at Colorado, I mean, he was my number one receiver in the summer coming into this yeah. season. Struggled to stay healthy. They put a lot on his shoulders, and I think that was a big part of it. But this is a guy who is a beast after the catch. So yeah. LaVisica Chenault, as long as the medical staff signs off, uh, I think he'd be a worthy target as well. Buddy, you're almost there. It's been a heck of a run, my friend, our last visit before the draft. We'll we'll talk to you probably next week. We'll have to break all this stuff down, but it's good talking with you. It's been a real treat to have you on with us all these low these many months, my friend. No, I enjoyed it and can't wait till we talk about the, the fit and, and who's actually here, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so uh, buckle up. Yeah, it is, my friend. That is the great Dane Brugler joining us uh, right here on the program. Yezzy, that, uh, the LaVisca Chenault. Watch a little tape too. of that guy yesterday, my friend. Uh, yeah? Look out! Look, Look out. out. He is, he's Look. a very impressive specimen. God, he's crazy. You don't know about the health, but the tape is uh, is is wow tape, to say the least. Yep. Final segment up next, CBD A50, ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If an auto or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Go Browns. And if you think wild things can't happen in a 24-hour period, since we logged off yesterday on this program, Gronkowski is a Buccaneer, and the Miami Dolphins will pick anybody at any cost to avoid taking a quarterback at number five. That's in, tw- that's in 24 hours. It is It is stunning what's going on and it's only going to ramp up by the time that we're on the air tomorrow on draft day i guarantee five new crazy things will either either be rumored or have actually happened it's crazy man yeah it's, it's kind of it's fun though. it is fun i absolutely adore it i i actually it hit me today like how much i will miss draft prep because it's been at least one sporting event i could look forward to i knew it was going to happen yeah it is going to happen it'll happen tomorrow night it'll happen throughout the weekend um, but but to, to for that to not be there, to not have something to look forward to is going to stink, man. It's, it is. It's going to be very sad when this is over. We've really enjoyed this process. I am excited to see how it plays out, and there is the drama of that. And then afterwards, though, then we're going to get back into, I think, you know, okay, what's next? Where are we? What's next? What are we expecting? How are things going? You know, that's going to be, I think that's what's going to end up being a very interesting thing to see how that progresses you know, in this offseason of a virtual offseason. Heck, the Saints, offseason, who needs it? That's don't what they're saying. We don't need it. So don't you think if they end up struggling this year, even if it's completely unrelated to that, that's, it's just putting yourself in a situation where that's going to be an easy thing for somebody to lob at you. Furthermore, if you are going to do that, why say it? It's kind of like John Lynch uh, going on Eisen show and saying, yeah, we had preliminary discussions to acquire Tom Brady. Why say it? Right. Like, if you're going to do it, fine. But, like, what's that message to Jimmy G? 
Now yeah. there's seeds of doubt. Like, why Why public it? You didn't yeah. get him. Why, why? If you're not why asked, public? why publicize it? Right. What's the point? There's yeah. no gain. Buckle in, kids. Going to be fun. Your final show before the draft of the first round of it comes tomorrow. We are back for that. Looking forward to it. The next level is up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.